we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. We've been shaped by stories our entire lives. When we were younger, they were read to us at bedtime. They come from our teachers in class and friends in the hallways. We see them in our favorite movies and TV shows. We relate to them, visualize them, and share them. Jesus understood this and chose to teach through stories. And the stories of Jesus give life. His stories are called parables, and now we learn from these parables of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Happy New Year, folks. Are y'all feeling it this morning? You're like so eager for 2022? Aren't we all? No, we do anticipate God doing great things. I think it's fitting that we talk about prayer this morning or we receive Jesus's teaching about prayer as we begin this brand new year. And as I said in our welcome video, I, God orchestrated all of this in such a way, he gave us a calendar year so that we can invite God through the power of the Spirit of God to give us fresh perspective on who he is and what he's doing anew. And so hopefully you're taking advantage of that. If not today, you'll be challenged to do that. Let's go ahead and stand together. We're gonna read the first few verses, uh, just verses uh, five through eight of chapter 11 together. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence." You may be seated. Father, we do ask that you help us to see the things we need to see and hear what we need to hear in this parable. And all God's people said, amen. Well, I'm actually gonna back up just a little bit because I believe the first few verses of this chapter really lay the groundwork um, for what Jesus is teaching us about Prayer. Luke wants us to know that there is a foundation for our relationship with God, in particular, how we relate to him through this dynamic, personal uh, work through prayer. And, um, and so it's fitting for us to begin in verse 1. So let me just start there. Verse 1, it says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, you can imagine these first few months and years with Jesus, one of the rhythms and patterns that emerged out of Jesus' life, perhaps more than they had seen anywhere else, was this dependence on prayer 
They knew that Jesus would go by himself and pray. Um, They heard Jesus pray, probably praying things um, in ways that they had never heard anyone else pray. And so I think it's pretty realistic that at some point along that journey, which we're seeing a picture of now, that the disciples finally say, gosh, we've been seeing you pray, we've been hearing you pray, your life is wrapped up in prayer, your life is bound in prayer, can you teach us how to do that? Not to mention, they knew that John the Baptist had taught his disciples how to pray, a particular prayer. Now, in Jewish life, there were a series of prayers and benedictions that were recited at particular times and places. So they were accustomed to praying certain ways uh, in the morning, in the evening, and over certain events and special occasions. They had their own prayer book. Now, we Protestants, we have our own prayer book too, and that has been modeled for us um, through Judaism, that wonderful life of rich prayer. And so knowing that John had given a particular prayer to his disciples, knowing that they were accustomed to a life of recited and meaningful prayer, but more than anything, seeing this pattern of prayer in the life of Jesus caught their attention. And they finally say, or at least one of them finally says, will you teach us how to pray? And what does Jesus say? Uh, Jesus says in verse two, this is how you should pray Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins and we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. Now this is a much shorter prayer of the Lord's Prayer that we find in uh, Matthew. Luke's recording of it is, is more brief and yet it still lays the groundwork through which we are to understand this parable and what is that groundwork what's the foundation what's the lens that Luke wants us to understand the nature of prayer and Jesus is teaching through this lens what is that lens Um, and that lens would be the very kingdom of God first and foremost the holiness and righteousness of God his nature and character as it is manifested in his kingdom. And so the perspective that we ought to have is a kingdom perspective when we come to pray. That's what Jesus wants us to see. That's what this gospel writer wants us to see. When we approach the Father in this dynamic relationship that we have in prayer, he says, I I want you to do it through the lens of my kingdom and more particularly through the lens of what I'm doing. Remember, God is up to something in our world, right? Right? God is reshaping and recreating. We know that the Father sent the Holy One, the Son of God, righteous one, never sinned, who went to the cross, died on our behalf and rose victorious over sin so that he could reshape and recreate and behold, I'm making all things new kind of kingdom. And so what we see right from the beginning is this teaching and invitation that when you pray, when you pray, will you pray through the lens of God's kingdom perspective? Uh, Will you pray knowing that God is at work in you and through you 
to fulfill what he began in sending his son and which he will one day complete in his son's return. God is doing something. So pray with that in mind. God is at work. We also find that in this model prayer, which Jesus is saying, there's, these are the kind of patterns that should, should take shape in your prayer life. Uh, as an aside, um, when we think about the, the Judaic practice of prayer and even our brothers and sis, our sister churches of other Protestant denominations that recite prayer, there is, there is deep meaning in us being able to recite written prayers like this together, aren't there? I mean, all of us could recite the Lord's Prayer. There's deep meaning to that. We shouldn't uh, discard that. In fact, we do this during our times of confession and assurance, often together, where we read a prayer with one another. So in part, um, Jesus is, is saying two things here. Uh, much like John's disciples and the, the recited prayers, this too can be a beautiful corporate recited prayer. But more than that, I want it to embody a rhythm of a kind of prayer that takes shape in your life, and I've already mentioned one, which is a kingdom perspective. But something else that we see in this model prayer that Jesus gives us is that it's deeply personal. We know that Abba is the very colloquial phrase for dad. You know, we would, when we call out to our dad, we, we don't say father. Some of you might, but we say dad or daddy. And, and so Jesus is conveying that our kingdom perspective is still comes with a deep personal relationship with God, and it's deeply grounded in real needs in real life, like give us this day, meet our needs for this day, um, kind of prayer. Um, we, we see this kind of teaching elsewhere in the New Testament, that our prayer should be shaped by God's kingdom purpose. If we go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, look what the apostle Peter says. He says, the end of the world is coming soon. Now, that sounds awfully dreary. Um, but notice his kingdom perspective here. God is doing something. God is at work. He's making all things new. And there's going to be a time when the world comes to an end and Jesus returns to finish what he has started and so he says this, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. What kind of prayers? The kind of prayers that keep that perspective in mind. That Jesus is coming. God is at work now, even in the nitty gritty of life and the basic needs of my life. Until he returns, our prayers should have a kingdom focus. We, we, see, this in, we see this modeled for us with Paul. Um, a famous prayer for Paul over the Philippians. This is Philippians chapter one, beginning in verse three. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. So he's praying or talking about his prayer for them. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news, that's kingdom perspective, about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Verse six, and I am certain that God who began the good work with you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul, when he interacted and served and loved these people that God had entrusted to his care all across uh, the, the, the Greek and Roman world, when he prayed for them, he had this deep kingdom perspective. And he did it with joy. 
Lord, will you finish what you've started in their life? Will you bring it to completion? Gosh, we saw that all over James, right? We saw that all over James too. You know, count it all joy when you face trials and tribulations, knowing that God's gonna use all this so that you can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's the kind of kingdom perspective that Paul models for us, that Luke has captured for us, and that Jesus is teaching us. When you pray, when you come to the Father in this personal, deeply dynamic and relationship with God, you come to him carrying with you that lens of kingdom perspective that you are at work in my life, you're at work around me, and you're doing and doing something, you're reshaping, you're recreating to make all things new through your son, Jesus. Give me that kind of perspective when I pray. That's what Jesus longs for all of us, the kind of prayer we should have in our life. But not only, we know um, that when we come to the parable now, so he's given us this pattern of prayer, and then he continues teaching with this parable that, again, is for us, for those of us who are really seeking truth. The parables are given. It's an invitation to, to dig. For those of us who are hunger, hungry for truth and righteousness, here's a story to teach you about the nature of prayer. In this case, it's, it's, uh, the, the parable has a lot more to say about the nature to whom we pray than the act itself, although that's there too. And so what is that parable? I'm not going to reread it. We know it at midnight. A neighbor comes to uh, their neighbor's house. Someone comes to their neighbor's house uh, because they've had a friend show up in the middle of the night. They have nothing to feed them. So they go to the neighbor's house, pound on the door, pound on the door, pound on the door. Finally, the neighbor says, what in the world do you want? He says, well, I have a friend that just showed up in the middle of the night. I have nothing to eat. Give them to eat. Can you give me three loaves of bread? And the guy says, are you kidding me? I'm not going to wake up my whole family for this. I'm going back to bed. But The friend persists, he knocks and knocks and knocks and knocks until finally the neighbor relents and says, okay, I'll give you what you need. Now, will you please leave me alone? And and Jesus finishes that and says, goodness, you know, the friend might not give because he's a friend, but he certainly will give because he's annoyed enough. He's been bothered enough. And if it's a case between a friend and a neighbor, that that would happen, how much more might that happen between you and the Father in your prayer life? So what, what in the world is, is Jesus getting at when he's talking about how we are to approach the Father in prayer? Firstly, we come to him with that kingdom perspective, your kingdom come. But secondly, we are to come with kingdom uh, persistence. And we already see that shaped in the rhythm that, of the model prayer in verses two and three. Give us this day our daily bread. In the Hebrew, the connotation there is keep giving us our daily bread. There's that you're daily going back to him. Okay, this day and this day. It's not like you say, hey, can you just give us for the next 30 days? No, you're going back every day with the anticipation that God's gonna meet your needs every single day with that kind of persistence. Every day I'm gonna go back and ask, will you meet our needs today? And so persistence is already conveyed in that model prayer. But the message isn't this. The message isn't to we Christians that if you annoy God long enough, he'll relent and answer your prayer. That's not what Jesus is saying to us. Uh, That's not what he means by persistence. He's not saying just pound on the door long enough and God's gonna relent and give you what you want. Uh, That's not the message or the lesson 
that Jesus would have us learn here. What Jesus is saying to us is God is nothing like your annoyed neighbor. He's not like that at all. Your your father in heaven doesn't need to be jarred awake. He never slumbers, nor does he sleep. God is not annoyed by your coming to him. You don't have to trouble God long enough to get what you want and what you need. Jesus is saying, God's nothing like that. But if someone like that will give to a need of their neighbor, how much more will a God who listens and who's paying attention, who actually is eager for you to come to him? Of course, we get more of that in just a little bit in these later verses too, but that's what he's trying to convey to us is that we can faithfully and diligently come with persistence knowing that we come to the kind of father who's eager for our coming. With great anticipation, he longs to draw near to us in our need. He's not annoyed by our asking. He's not troubled by our pounding upon the door. And finally he says, okay, fine. That's not God at all. That's not what Jesus is trying to convey to us. He's just saying, listen, if if someone can give out of their annoyance, how much more can God give out of his joy to you? We see this all over scripture. God knows your neediness. He knows your frailty, so keep coming to him. That's the message of Jesus. God is eager for you to come to him. So be persistent in your coming. He's eager to sustain you. He expects to sustain you. In fact, the more desperate you are, the more Jesus' heart is drawn to yours. Listen to that. The more desperate you are in your frailty, as you struggle with temptation and you wrestle with daily needs, the more eager Jesus' heart is drawn to yours. Uh, Dane Ortland. um, recently kind of, he's been writing for a while, but two of his books have kind of risen to the top lately. One that I'm reading right now is called Gentle and Lowly. Um, highly recommend it. I'm reading it right now, in fact. Um, but he, he wrote this. He says, when you come to Christ for mercy and love and help in your anguish and perplexity and sinfulness, you are going with the flow of his own deepest wishes, not against them. Did y'all hear that? Sometimes when we have this perception of God in our life, of prayer, in the moment of our deepest needs, sometimes we think that we're bothering him, that he's like that neighbor at sleep in the middle of the night. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 he's not like that at all. But know that in your persistence, God is eager to draw near to you in your weakness. You're going in the flow of Jesus' heart, not against it. John 6, 37 Jesus says this, whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. I will not say, just go back to sleep and leave me alone. Jesus doesn't say that to us when we come to him in sincerity and earnestness and persistence. In a moment, Jesus is gonna use this analogy be about a father giving to his child, but it's also appropriate here. You know, my role as a dad 
is always to provide for my girl's needs all along the way, right? And even maybe a little beyond the way. What I mean by all along the way until they are independent, right, and can and take care of their own needs. But all along the way, Ann and I are charged with making sure they have everything they need. In fact, our hearts ache for that in ways that my girls don't really even understand or can really see and understand, right? Because we're looking at a bigger picture and sometimes they can, uh, they can get caught up in just the moment of need, but we can see all of it. And so my heart aches and longs for the provision of my girls. I, I desire to meet uh, my girls' needs. And so Listen, when, when my daughters come to me with a particular need, uh, especially if it's a need that I know I can meet, I want to meet that with joy, and I'm eager to, for their coming. Now, I know I'm broken, I'm sinful, just like the rest of you are, and sometimes I can get annoyed by that, especially if it's like, dad, 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 and finally she says, Danny. Because that gets my attention. But, you know, uh, it's funny. I had a conversation with one of my girls about that. uh, Because one of my daughters is particularly gifted in persistence. In fact, I've told her. I said, God's going to use that. God's going to use that persistence. Because when you have something on your mind, you don't stop talking about it or asking about it until you get an answer. God's going to use that. But sometimes in the moment, it can get a little frustrating. Right? Dad, dad, dad. But let me, t- you know what she told me? You know, dad, you know why I do that? Because the kind of things I need, I can't do for myself. I can't sign myself up for volleyball. I can't register myself. I can't pay the fees that are required for me to be a part of these kind of things. I can't say yes to going to a friend's house. All the needs and requests I have, you alone can answer because they're out of my control. And so absolutely she should be coming to me. And in the same way, that's what Jesus is saying, absolutely you should be going to the Father, because he alone is able to meet the kind of needs and answer your requests in a way that only he can. In the same way that I can only meet the kind of needs and answer the kind of requests that my daughters have, because I alone can do that. For them. That's what Jesus is saying. Be persistent like that. Knowing that God is eager to draw near to you. In fact, he says, keep seeking, right? Uh, he says this in verse 9. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Every, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks The door will be opened. When you come to God with that kind of kingdom perspective, Lord, that you are at work in me and through me, that you are reshaping and reworking and recreating all of the world through your son, Jesus, when you come with that kind of perspective and that kind of persistence, knowing that God alone can do that kind of work in your life in the moment of need and even in the most nitty-gritty places in your life, Jesus says God's gonna eagerly answer that. So keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. So Jesus says, be persistent. So this morning so far we were taught that we are to come into prayer with a pattern of kingdom perspective. And 
that with that kingdom perspective, we also come with kingdom persistence because we know God is eager for us to come to him and give to us for his kingdom good and our good. And then lastly, speaking of good, how does Jesus end this teaching about prayer? He says, verse 11, you fathers, you fathers, you know what this is like. If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Rhetorical question, no. None of us would do that. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, we're, we're not a sinful neighbor that's asleep at night. Our God's not a sinful neighbor who's asleep at night and is annoyed by the pounding of the door. Nor is God a sinful father and frail in his giving. Right? But if, but if a sinful father can know and desire to give good things to their children, how much more does our Father in heaven who is at work in us and through us for his kingdom purposes and ways to give us good things. Man, and the answer Jesus says is yes. In fact, Jesus is and, uh, Luke's answer, which is a little, Luke renders this a little different than, than Matthew does. Matthew will say, we'll give, uh, how much more will the heavenly Father give good to those who ask him? Luke actually says, um, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So um, Luke, what is Luke doing? Uh, Luke is connecting the giving of good to God's kingdom perspective. Uh, Luke is saying, no one knows the good you need like your heavenly Father does. No one can outgive good things like your heavenly Father can. Remember what James wrote? All good and perfect gifts come from where? The Father of Lights, right? And so Luke is, Luke is connecting that the good things that the Father gives, all the good and perfect things that the Father gives are connected to his kingdom purpose, which ultimately is fulfilled through us in the giving of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, recorded to us by Luke, that the Father in heaven will give to you abundantly the good that you need in the Holy Spirit. And profound. And oddly enough, for some reason, we read that verse and like, that sounds kind of boring. Right? I, I want, can I, just, can I just ask for what I want? He can just give what I want. Is, why is it that when we consider the giving of the Holy Spirit to us, that for some reason that doesn't, move us to celebrate the giving of God. I think Luke wants us to be enraptured by the good giving of God and his Holy Spirit. To say, yes, that's what I most desperately need in my life for his kingdom purpose through kingdom persistence. So we can really appreciate Jesus' analogy of a father giving good to their children. That's what I want to do with my own children. Again, no one gives good like the father gives, and no one can outgive God. Um, Hebrews eleven six says, God, God 
rewards those who seek him. Right? Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. God is eager to give good to those who keep seeking him. And if we go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, um, verses uh, 10 through 11... Verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift. God gives. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to come forever and ever. Amen. Men, That's, That was Peter's prayer for the people. And he's, he's saying, um, the way that I'm praying is for God to give to you in abundance through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that even when you speak, you're speaking the very words of God. And when you work and serve and love your neighbor that you're doing by the very energy that God supplies No one can give like God gives. And God is ambitious and eager and with great anticipation of your persistence, is eager to give you all the strength that you need in the the world in which you live, the vocation that you have and the relationships that you love. He's eager to give all the energy and all the joy. He's eager to give you all the words by the power of his spirit. Luke says... The Father knows how to give good things. If you know how to give good things, the Father even more so knows how to give good things, and he will give you his spirit. The Father is a good, good giver. A few more thoughts before we close this morning about prayer. And my thinking this week about having a kingdom perspective and Developing kingdom persistence in my life where I go to the Father who's eager to receive my coming to him. And anticipating kingdom good, the the abundance of the Holy Spirit in my life that is manifested in strength and joy and words that is poured out in the lives of other people around me. Um, These are some of the thoughts that I had. Prayer is where real life and faith meet. Prayers where real life and faith meet. We eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, we go to work, we get our hands dirty, we struggle with situations and circumstances, we struggle with our own sin, and in the midst of that, all of that is real life. And and prayer is when all of that nitty-grittiness of real life meet and bump up against our faith in God. Because in the middle of all of that, we come to him and say, help me see what you're doing here in your kingdom. In this circumstance, in this temptation, will you help me see? And in your persistence, you come to him, Lord, give me victory over this. Help me to love my friend the way I ought to love them. Help me forgive them the way I know I need to forgive them. It's where real life and faith meet. It's where, it's where belief and unbelief collide, right? Remember the... The man who wanted Jesus to heal his son, and he said, 
Jesus, I've come to you to ask you to heal him if, if you can. And Jesus says, if I can. And Jesus says, do you believe? And he says, yes, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe prayer is where real life meets our faith. And it's where unbelief meets our belief. We come to him with persistence and say, Lord, I'm, I'm hurting here. I have need here. Will, will you turn my unbelief to belief? And when we begin to pray this way, it becomes reorienting for us. It becomes kingdom reorienting. When we, when we pray to God with that kind of perspective, and um, when we come to him with that kind of pers- uh, persistence, it's reorienting. It's inviting God to bring back into focus what he's doing in the middle of those kind of moments and for the long term. It's entrusting God to the grit of everyday life. To the king, to kingdom flourishing. That God, I, I even want you to do something here in this moment. In my need, will your kingdom flourish even now? And this is true for our vocations, our relationships. Uh, prayer is that persistent request, that dynamic relationship with a father who's eager to hear us and draw near to us. It's it's that persistent request to see everything through the lens of what he's doing. Everything through the lens of what he's doing. I hope that as you begin this year in 2022, you'll take this simple yet profound teaching about prayer from Jesus to heart. Um, I'm praying that 2022 will be a new opportunity to pray in God's kingdom perspective. So my question for you is this. And you may want to jot this down. If you have a pencil, a pencil, a piece of paper, or you can easily use your device. But answer this question for me. In what ways, in what ways do you want to reorient your prayer life in 2022? In what ways do you want to have a brand new kingdom perspective in your life? And you may list things like, I need to see my work, my vocation through that lens. I need to ask God for that. You might have a particular relationship in mind. But think about your prayer resolutions for 2022. And take a moment to write those down. Let's pray. Father, it's good news that um, you're the kind of God who has made a way for us to come to you. And so even now, Lord, we ask you to help us in our life of prayer, that it would come with your perspective, the the lens of what you're doing. Lord, that it would be persistent, that it would be regular, it would be part of a pattern in our life. And Lord, that it would come with great anticipation of the good that you long to give to us by the power of your spirit, in your spirit, through your spirit. 
so that your kingdom can be realized in us that we might bear fruit and through us that it might come to bear in the lives of other people around us and to the ends of the earth. Teach us more to pray that way. And it's the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we pray these things and all God's people said. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.